1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Terry murdered a child.
2: The evidence and the counter evidence.
0: I'm struggling with that. When the facts are filled with coincidences, don't dismiss those coincidences. I have no tolerance for the unexplainable. Well then, sir, you'll have no tolerance for me. Hello and welcome back to Still Watching the Outsider. I'm Vanity Fair senior writer Joanna Robinson.
2: And I'm Vanity Fair chief critic Richard Lawson.
0: Every week on this podcast, still watching, what Richard and I like to do is break down the latest episode of a TV show that we are watching, obsessing over. Uh, you name it, we're doing it. Uh, we will not spoil anything this week beyond season one, uh, episode nine, titled Tigers and Bears, uh, written by Dennis Lehane and directed by Charlotte Brandstrom. So we are not ruining anything about the finale because we don't know anything Mm-mm. about the finale. Um, and in fact uh, what I'm discovering is a lot of book readers people who read the Stephen King novel that the show is based on don't know what's going to happen in the finale uh, so that's always a fun position to be in Um so if you are a book reader or not a book reader and you want to email us stillwatchingpod at gmail.com your thoughts theories uh, feelings about uh, you know the, the final episodes of The Outsider we would love to hear from you um, this first email comes from uh, Maureen who's written written it a couple times, uh, with some helpful sort of book show comparisons. Um, this is usually my job. So I really appreciate Maureen doing this job for me because I didn't read the book. So, um, <laughs> Maureen says, really enjoying your podcast. Uh, I wish I could have joined in on the survival prediction, but with my book knowledge, it would only lead to spoilers. Um, and I could not find a way to participate spoiler free. But it says a lot uh, that Richard Price and team has made it so book readers are unsure who will survive as well. Um, I'm guessing with many of your viewers, everyone is very worried about Andy. We're I'm very glad they added his character because his character adds a lot of suspense because, um, you know, as we've mentioned before, this is me ad living right now, not Maureen, but because as we mentioned before, Andy's not in the books. So the question of Andy's survival in the finale is anyone's guess. Um, we don't know. Um, Richard and I, I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about what we think is going to happen to Andy. Um, Maureen says she loved the flashback to the 1940s cave-in. It took her a while to realize the flashback uh, was a flashback until uh, she saw the 25-cent sign. Um, Did you think El Coco might nab the kids in the cave or that they would run into it? Um, And then another, another difference to keep in mind is when the sniper shots start, they have no idea who's shooting at them. We all know about Jack as readers and Stephen King narration tells us what Jack is, thinking, feeling, experiencing. But as far as anyone in Ralph's group is concerned, Jack is an angry alcoholic detective holding the fort back home. Holly never even meets Jack in the books. Um I guess now we know why they replaced Claude Sweetbry's protective mother with an angry impulsive brother. Uh it's a nice touch and necessary. When reading the Stephen King book, you never doubt the shape-shifting monster exists, so there was no need to have a real character validate by interacting with it. Many changes. Richard Price made his story about making sure El Cuco is interacting with our physical world. Um, you know, because we cannot be inside anyone's head uh, in a in a TV show so um so those are some of like maureen's feedbacks about differences um which um as far as i know the cave flashback is also in the book um and i actually thought it was it was really effective um did you did did it did the flashback fool you at all richard um when it when it happened
2: no because the clothes on the kids
0: yeah the 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 flashlights (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, Revealed even like right the right
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, there was, there was a minute where I thought it might be, uh, Claude and his brother when they were boys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even though, so it was the 1940s and, you know, those guys would have been boys maybe in the 60s. Um, but I think because, uh, or 70s, I don't want to, um, but, uh, I think because of, um, it just gave me such hardcore stand by me uh vibes of these boys like going off into the woods and so that I think put me in the mindset of like the 50s and 60s but we were even earlier in the 1940s. Um did you like the flashback did it work for you Richard?
2: Um I kind of didn't get like what it had to do with anything because if it wasn't about I thought it was going to maybe be like an origin story for the outsider or something um and then it kind of wasn't, but I guess the kind of big thing was like that it goes to places where dead people are. And so like there are a lot of dead people in that cave, we find out, you know, or like at least whatever the remnants of the dead people. Um, so I guess it kind of made sense for that. And I don't know. I think that like that combined with the kind of rumination in the cemetery about the Spanish flu, which by the way was not fun hearing about in this Corona time. Um, oh, no. but, 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 um, it was just kind of like a, a sort of deeper textural reminder that like tragedy has stopped the world forever. And, right. uh, you know, that's just the world we live in. And, um, you know, I just think it just added a bit of that sort of sorrow and sort of dread, I guess, to, to a show that's already pretty well lacquered in, 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 the, in those emotions.
0: Yeah. I have to say that if, um, I like this episode, but if, um, of all the episodes that we've had this season, this one made me feel the most like this could have been an eight episode season. You yeah, know what same. I mean? It felt mm-hmm. like, yeah, it felt, it
2: felt like, like it wheel was, spinning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> two, two quick things to mention before we, um, before I, I give my uh, cave flashback thoughts, which I know you're dying to hear. Um, one correction is that, uh, last week I said that the actor Patty Considine is, um, Irish. He's not. He is British. A lot of people wrote in to talk to me about that. Um, I, I just wonder by what right does he call himself Patty if he's not, um, Irish <laughs> is my question. Um, I,
2: I thought he was Irish too because I had seen him in, um,
0: in America. That,
2: well, no, but also, um, mm. that Jez Butterworth play that was on Broadway that was like, there's like 40 people in the cast and a live goose and oh, a, like, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Well, why not? I can't remember the name of it now, I but can't remember it either, anyway, yeah. he was the lead and he played an Irishman. So I, I, I just assumed
0: he has played many an Irishman. His name mm-hmm. is Patty, but he is in fact British. So let the record reflect. Um, also, I think I said at one point that none of the like people that. El Cucu had copied, had survived, but that's incorrect, of course. Uh, we met the woman in prison, uh, over in New York. She's still hanging in there as far as we know. So, um, you know, there's hope for Claude that Claude might make it through. Um, and then a lot of people seemed concerned about whether or not El Cucu had, a scratched, uh, I'm gonna call him Grumpy Cave Dad, uh, is what I've decided to call him, um, in the fight that they had last week. I didn't really get into it because I kind of thought it was irrelevant since the, transformation cycle is 20 plus days it's not like the monster was going to like immediately double another person that's not how his like um system works Uh so it felt irrelevant to me whether or not he scratched the dad because i i am assuming this ends with the monster dead if it doesn't end with the monster dead if it ends with the monster limping off into the distance and slowly turning into this bearded man then like you know i i will admit that I was wrong, but, um, I cannot see a version of this show where this monster survives, but who knows?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, mean, I think, uh, I think no. par- part of the reason the conversation happened with the grandfather and the grandson, you know, with, with Ralph, was, uh, you know, when he asked about the scratches, it's kind of related to the Spanish flu thing where it's just like this idea of maybe this is just in my head because of real world events, but like this idea of disease and like things spreading, you know, like that. And so even if like, it doesn't narratively really matter whether or not he scratched the outsider, scratched anybody and, and where, where they are in this, this, where it is. And it's sort of like reproductive cycle or whatever you want to call it regeneration cycle. Um, yeah. it just puts t- to in 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 mind that that sort of fear that this is like an unstoppable thing spreading you know
0: yeah no um sorry and, and thank you for saying uh granddad i should have said cave granddad um the um that idea of infection uh i think comes through the most in in the speech that claude gives right about like he you know he gets out of the car he throws up he's with howie they're going to go get chicken or whatever and he sits in the in the passenger seat and he talks about like a cold cancer doesn't matter what it'll get in. If it, you know what, it doesn't matter what it is. If it wants to get in, it'll get in. And this thing got in and this idea of this thing, um, as a, as a, as a cancer, as a, you know, um, as a disease and just like the influenza or something like that. Um, that's a, that's a show difference, uh, from the book. Um, I, I, I know because someone wrote in earlier, um, that the character of Jack has cancer and that the outsider like promises to cure him if he helps him. That's sort of like how the outsider is controlling him. So I think they abandoned that. As far as I know, we've had no indication that Jack has cancer, but, um but this, that idea of a disease of an infection and the way it spreads, the way the grief spreads, all that stuff. I think that the show has done a really good job of, of, of uh imagining this creature like that.
2: Yeah. And then in last week when the outsider ate the the hunter that Jack killed, he was like he yeah. was full of cancer, you know. Oh right. Like yeah. and like yeah. the only pure things are children, and the just our bodies just like and the environment just like kind of like fail us as we get older.
1: We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over, or even just cooking for yourself. When all of a sudden it starts to feel Overwhelming.
0: Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out
1: what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy. Without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit slash calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: And to that end, I mean, I think that you know i'm going to go back to the setting of the caves and uh, i don't know that i can fully defend the click cave flashback cuz i think it was just like a little bit more um elaborate than it needed to be to get the point across but this i the horror of um like the horror of the underground setting of the caves uh, maybe it's just my own claustrophobia, <laughs> but like the horror of the underground setting of the dad being down there and being able to hear the boys but not being able to get to them. And then the idea that they all like died in this cave in uh, slowly. Um the, the fact that that is, you know, based on whatever previews for next week seems to be the setting of a showdown. Like I think establishing the natural, the real world, natural horror of this, uh, physical location, um, even outside of the monster that is now lurking in the, in the belly of it, um, that ups my anxiety, uh, about the finale, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Um, and I, it kind of reminded me of, in some ways, um, the kind of incredible opening scene of The Leftover Season 2, where it's like set 10,000 years in the past or something like that. And it's right. just this like, woman who's pregnant and gives birth and she dies and, you know, and it's just this like grueling thing about like, that kind of reminds you of like, it's like that unfortunately ever since there's been anything alive on earth, there has been pain, there has been death, there has been catastrophe, you know, and, and Ralph and, um, holly and everyone are attending to this particular immediate thing but here's the show the story reminding us that well you know 70 years ago this other horrible thing happened on the very ground you're about to be standing on and like that you know unfortunately we can't stop that bigger force but like at least we can maybe locate one thing one disease isolate that and and, and tackle that and then kind of carry on with the uh, the business of living
0: one thing that I think we talked about the, we felt like these few episodes that we have here, um, out of town needed to do was really, um, establish Claude as a character that we cared about, were very invested in. And that's how I felt anyway. Um, how, if, you know, if that, if that is something that they should have accomplished in these episodes, how effectively do you feel they've done that, Richard? Mm,
2: I don't know exactly. I, I also think that like, Um, adding this brother character in kind of at the very end and like giving him like kind of stuff to say and do. And Holly said to him at one point in this episode, like, we need you. And it was like, huh? Like, I feel like it's kind of distracted from Claude a little bit. Um, and I think maybe earlier in the season, we just needed to spend more time with him. And I think that like maybe the fear was, well, that the viewers would figure out too soon why we were focusing on him. But, um, yeah, I'm having a little trouble sort of really caring about his, whole deal. And I think it's also, unfortunately, partly owed to Considine's kind of wobbly accent. And I just, it's hard for me to kind of commit to the character, um, when there's that distraction. Um, I mean, I don't want to see the character die or anything. It's not like I, you know, but I, I just, I think it maybe would have been more effective if we just knew him a bit better by now.
0: There is, the the pair of scenes which is like the side of the road with howie and then at the chicken like the chicken place with howie where he's talking about like you don't remember me right sort of thing mm-hmm. i feel like those were a- attempts yeah to create this character as someone that we like cared a lot about and yeah i don't think it really landed and i don't know if that's up to the acting or the writing or what but i'm just sort of like do I want him to die? No, but you're right. I think, I think the character of seal Bolton, his brother is sucking up a lot of the oxygen in the room. And, and some of his energy is really compelling to watch, like the way in which he sort of, um, you know, sparks against Holly and, and, and what she has to put up with there, you know, like that's interesting to me, the whole, like line about how she should be washing the cups or whatever. Like that's, that's, you know, compelling television, but is it, is it adding to what I'm going to need for the end. I don't know. Um, Yeah. We'll find
2: out. I I think, I think this is a common problem with shows like this that are so atmospheric and like, so like, just like about like a, a a kind of mood of dread or something looming, you know, that, and and, and in their, in their early episodes, they really just take their time, just setting the scene and kind of like, Making us wonder what what's really happening, what this is all about, and then they eventually though do actually have to get to the plot and move toward an ending, you know, and I think that a lot of times and I'm feeling this a little bit with this episode, like all of a sudden it is like feels very rushed, and you're like, wait, 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 but like mm-hmm. where's that where's that 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 pacing that that kind of enveloping thing, and it's like impossible to like fully sustain that for a whole run of a of a, of a season of television, but like I think if they had reshaped the season a little bit. So maybe a little bit more had happened an episode or two ago. And so there was more of a kind of gentle arc rather than what we're experiencing now. I don't know. I just, this episode kind of felt like both like filler and like not enough, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And they've been tremendously effective. you know, they're, there are plenty of people that I am very, very invested in, and very worried about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I am, in, I'm worried about Ralph and Holly. I'm worried about Andy. I was, I, 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 you know, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I did. I guessed when Alec Pelly got a bullet to the head, and that, even though you that's called char- it, I mean, yeah, but like that—that's a character that, like doesn't hasn't had a lot of screen time, but I think has been tremendously effective. Even in this episode, when he has this whole thing about like it's little bites, you know, mm-hmm, what I mean? when he's talking mm-hmm. to Ralph about like how how to believe in something that you can't believe in. Um, that would you know, yeah, and even even with the, the heavy foreshadowing of like tasting pennies or something like that, which apparently is a Richard Price thing. I guess Richard Price has used that speech about tasting pennies in your mouth and like multiple um, things that he's done, um, but i uh i was i was i was sad to see him go and it felt like a true loss it didn't feel like a random like red shirt there with him them it felt like a true loss and something that made us really scared for the four other people who are standing there as it cuts to black and you just hear the shots more and more and more, and more shots firing, um, yeah I thought that ending was really effective so
2: yeah it's it's kind of i mean well, first of all, with Alec, like I just think back to I think it was either five episode five or six where he's kind of downstairs talking to. Howie. Uh, yeah and he's like you know like maybe there are demons or whatever like so he was one of the first people who was like willing to listen to holly and willing to kind of accept the this this crazy idea and so that to see him kind of be one of the first victims of it like it's just kind of sad um and i love also love that actor jeremy bob he's really good um
0: he's great yeah
2: um but uh yeah the thing with the gunshots was like you just kind of i mean I, i i i don't know about your life but i can think assume i'm just you're not around guns very often or 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 ever even and and you know obviously we hear them a lot in movies and tv shows but like the way that it was just it wasn't like machine gun it was just like one one you know like like it just brings to mind so many recent events and 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 what they maybe sounded like and just like they're just the kind of hammering repetition of it like it was really um yeah, it was really a brutal way. I watched it for the first time last night, like like you did, I'm sure, and just like it was like a kind of a weird way to like end Sunday night, <laughs> you know. Like I think I I put on some like Guy Fieri or something just to like decompress.
0: <laughs> Palette cleanse. Yeah, it was so disturbing, and um and just the force of the sound and as you say yeah it wasn't like just rapid fire it was because okay so we had this background on jack and i had predicted that maybe jack's sniper did not go the way that i had hoped for jack i was hoping he would use his sniper skills uh to help our good guys uh i was incorrect at least so far um and so we know that he has a a background as a sniper and so you know and that his first shot is just like a headshot uh, immediately takes out a character. Right. And so, and then we're worried about these other four characters. And then you hear not just like, like, I think they could have done it where they cut to black and you hear another shot, but you hear so many shots and there's that pause and that re aiming between each shot. And it was just, um, yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. It was really good. Um, and yeah, so, so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a post it that I wrote last week and at the top it says Alec RIP. Um but uh where are we on on Andy watch? Did that did that kiss seal it for him? Is he is he done?
2: Hmm. I don't know. I just can't decide how Graham this show wants to be in the end, you know. And I think that for Holly to you know, open herself up to, to something like this and then to just take it away from her. Like, I'm not sure if that's really the show's kind of, it's like kind of thematic intent. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's like, like that those gunshots at the end are so scary because, and because they're singular and they suggest real intent, you know, it's shoot, aim at somebody else, shoot, aim at somebody else, shoot, you know? So like, like I don't, I can't just be Alec that, you know, uh, is, um, taken down by this. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 choosing to think positively uh, f- about Andy, but um, you know, I I I guess it's just a matter of how grim the show wants to be.
0: Yeah, I feel like it, so um, I don't want to reduce the show to like who's going to live and who's going to die. That's definitely not the most interesting thing to talk about the show, but it is for me at least an interesting thought experiment when we don't when I don't know what's going to happen in a final episode of a show to do exactly what Richard is doing, which is like, uh, try to, um, be like, okay, what is this show trying to be? Try to figure out like, you know, what, what story the writers are trying to tell here. And I gotta say, like last week I agreed with you when you said you thought Ralph was safe because, um, you didn't think the show would want to leave Jeannie alone. But then this week when we have both like Jeannie saying over and over again on the phone that she doesn't want Ralph to go confront this monster, And then you have the Genie Glory, like, sort of bonding scene. And so then I'm like, I could see an ending where, like, it's Genie and Glory together trying to, like, shelter in their grief together, sort of thing. Um, Uh if Ralph doesn't make it. And if Ralph, but I will tell you this, if Ralph doesn't make it, then I think Andy does make it. Like, he might get injured or something like that. But, like, to give Holly that, um, thing to hold on to at the end is, is something that I think, uh, the show would do. So my current predictions, once again, I know this is not the most sophisticated way to talk about a TV show, but my current predictions are Ralph dies and Andy gets wounded, but lives. Um, that's what I think is going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, no matter what, Holly lives though. Holly absolutely lives. No, no one's touching Cynthia Arrivo. Not a hair on her head. No, thank you. Um, so, so let's talk about that genie and glory thing. Um, which I thought was a really interesting scene. Um, and not just an excuse to like, you know, have the actresses be in the episode. Um, I really liked this thing that, uh, Glory says to Jeannie where she says, um, I respect the sincerity of your beliefs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I like almost want like a tattoo of. Like that, I was just like, that is just something that we are so bad at doing as humans when someone doesn't believe what we believe to say, I respect the sincerity of your belief and i'm thinking specifically like spiritually and and religiously but you know uh it could be in any any different avenue of your life um did that line hit you hard in any way or was that just me
2: i thought it was interesting that it was the button to that scene like it was that was that was the ultimately the point of that scene was her saying that you know um and i think it's a nice sentiment but i also wonder like what it really means like what are the limits of that you know because in certain cases, me respecting the sincerity of someone's beliefs means that I have to respect the fact that they think because I'm gay, I'm going to hell or because you're a woman, you shouldn't be able to do X, Y, or Z, you know? And so, like, so, so obviously there are limits to it. And I don't think that that Absolutely. it was, a, I don't think it was a particularly theological thing that she was saying. I think it was, I think it was more that on second viewing, I kind of like s- thought differently about that, about that line. Um, and it was more about like, her saying, look, like I've been saying a lot, it, the world is scary. Things are dark. Thing, we, we can't control things. If you have something that you need to kind of believe to, you know, kind of keep yourself uh, uh, upright, essentially, then I, I I respect that you need that. And I don't think that you're wrong to need that. I just am going to do it a different way, you know, because Glory knows that Jeannie is grieving um, and is worried for, you know, potential future grief if something happens to Ralph. And um, I, I don't know, I think it was more just about like, we're in this together. And like, however you choose to kind of process it, or, um, you know, kind of work your way through it, like, that's, that's okay. So I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't think it was specifically dogmatic in any way. It was just like, a big kind of like sigh of understanding and
0: empathy. Yeah, and just, um, benefit of the doubt of intention, you know what I mean, is, is the gift that Gloria gave Janie, where she's just like, we might be on really the opposite side of certain things around this case, but one thing I know is that you're, you are looking out for me, and I'm here for you as well, sort of thing. Um, the other, the other necessary-ish part of that scene was, you know, Gloria has this info that, that, uh, the district attorney, uh, try to talk to her about, um, this, you know, other young victim that was found on a, on a trail. Um, this is something that sort of percolates over the course of the episode that we've got another young boy. Um, the way that the district attorney reacts, uh, to this evidence feels like he's, he's having a, you know, cause we saw him, uh, get really ambitious around the Terry Maitland conviction. Um, and then when it all went south, he was just sort of like, I think he was going to run for higher office or something like that. And then he decided not to because he was just like, this is all so ugly. And mm-hmm. then the, the existence of this other young victim seems to further underline, uh, Terry's, uh, innocence, right? Um, because it happened after, um, right. Terry, Terry died. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know that I fully understand its functions in the show. Is it meant to present, Like a, 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 an El Cuco less real world alternate solution to, um, you know, the Terry Maitland question. Like what, what are we, what are we meant to take from this second boy? I don't think it's supposed to be a victim of El Cuco, right? Um, that doesn't feel correct to me. So like. No, I, um. I, I,
2: I kind of of have, have two minds about it. One is just that it's like, like here's the further chaos of the world, and like even if you take mm. out one thing, there's another thing lurking or whatever. But mm. I think you can illustrate that and the show has illustrated that in ways that don't involve this character from earlier in the in the season who we kind of forgot about. Um, I definitely forgot about him. So what I think it, yeah, I me mean, same. I mean, what I think it's setting up is, you know, it's something that, um I think it was seal was saying like okay so you call the police and then what do you tell them you know and then and ralph's like oh you don't have to we just say that you know blah blah. so my guess is that they're gonna it's somehow going to be like whoever did that that to that other kid is going to be sort of like they'll just roll that all up together and so they don't even have to deal with like this monster thing you know right so like supernatural right the band of merry men, whoever survives, and, and Holly, will know what happened, but the rest of the world will just kind of be like, oh, look, it was this thing, and n- never be the wiser about, about all that. I think, I think it was kind of setting up, like, the, the plausible ex- explanation, even right. though if it's not, not true at all.
0: Yeah. Right, correct. I, I agree with that. Um, I just think it was, I don't know. This whole episode hangs together weirdly for me.
1: Um,
0: Same. so, we've got, let me ask you a question. So, you know, Jack gets all of his weaponry together and, and goes to find a perch because they get, you know, they get warning that, um, the, the, as you say, the band of merry men are coming to the caves because Seal stupidly told, you know, how he got high and Seal told Claude, uh, what the plan was. That was all, that all felt extremely clumsy to me. Um, uh-huh. like, why they wouldn't put a, you know, someone a little bit better than Howie on the case if Howie is, like, gonna just, you know, it also felt like Howie wouldn't have done that, like, let his guard down that much in that way and all that sort of stuff. So, um, that all felt very convenient as a way for, you know, the, the monster to get the info, but our heroes not know that the monster have the info that they're coming, right? right um but but so since the monster does have this info you know jack is sent out to sort of guard the cave and we get this shot of him setting up and there's a snake on the rock sort of like nearby the shot he's in the background <clears throat> and the snake is sort of like snaking around um the rock where he's setting up so there's a couple options here one this is like check off snake right and like it's gonna strike jack uh in in next week's episode stopping him maybe somehow um is that possible maybe but to me it feels more like the bug shot from uh, Mm -hmm. another episode where it's just like the you know it goes back to sort of what you're talking about this like the the life cycle of um the natural world the the dangers of the natural world, like ever all the creepy crawlies that are out here in in rural United States um uh, you know that just add all this like great atmosphere to this horror story um you know, a snake also like sloughs off its skin the way that el coco does and stuff like that, so that's like an especially like good image to have right then, but I don't know that that sort of um, did you have any? Uh, different snake thoughts, yeah, no, I mean I think i, th- I
2: think it's the kind of the, the danger of the natural world, I think you know something that's always so whenever you read these like, crazy stories about someone attacked by a mountain lion or a bear or something like that, you know it doesn't have that often in, in America, but um my first instinct is to be like, Oh, but like why would it do that to somebody? And it's like the bear doesn't know. The bear doesn't know it's a person or the person's narrative or anything like that. The snake, like, like that, like it. The natural world is indifferent to us, you know. Um, and I think that we've gotten a couple of reminders of that with a snake, you know, um, and the cave collapse and all that. And obviously, the snake, you know, biblical stuff, symbol of evil, symbol of the devil, whatever, um, right. or Voldemort or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> You know, but yeah, I think I think it's more just kind of reminding us yet again, like that these people that that these people are surrounded by danger. That where everyone is surrounded by potential danger at all times. And like between you know, children getting abducted and children be getting trapped in caves and all manner of other things. It's a wonder that anyone lives past eight years old. You know, like there's so much scary stuff out there. And the trick about being alive is to. Manage that fear and manage that worry um in a way that like you're not just kind of bogged down in like despair and misery at all times.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And um I think that um the the the, the biblical stuff is is important to have peppered throughout the show because because the theme of belief is so important and, and I wanted to take that opportunity to talk about like Ralph and his belief in the state of it in this episode, because, you know, we have that look at the end of last week where we where Holly and Ralph are looking at each other and we were kind of like, okay, does okay. Is Ralph like fully on board now? And what we find on this episode is he's not. So there's still an opportunity, I think for Ralph to either have a, I fully believe moment or falter because he never is able to quite get there because what he says in this episode to Howie is like, uh if I were you, you know, while you're around these folks, just go ahead and pretend you believe. Um mm-hmm. And it seems like that's not that Ralph is like fully pretending, but that he's just like really having trouble with it, you know? And so I think that's going to, that's going to be the question when it comes down to it for Ralph is like, can he get all the way there and believe that what he's fighting is a real monster or will he not be able to get there? And I think if he can't get there, then he's not going to make it out of the series alive. I think that's sort of the the crux of it. And I'm not sure what, if that's the case, I'm not sure what Richard Price or Stephen King would be trying to say with that. Um, but it seems, it seems like in terms of the way we approach the world, the way Holly approaches the world is the good and ideal way to do it. And then Ralph is sort of stopped up in a way, like congested in a way that he needs to like get past is sort of what we're seeing this journey for these characters. Is that, is that your sense as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, again, I just really don't know, I guess I, I mean, it's a s- silly thing to say, but I just don't know what the show will be trying to say until it says it, you know? Yeah. And um, I I think that Ralph's journey has not been one of like, the hero who martyrs himself or anything like that or dies for the cause. I don't, that doesn't really feel like where I, th- I think for me, it's more about um accepting the unknown, you know, as a reality. And, and, and even if they're doing that by having something actually be known in, in a kind of concrete form in the, in the form of the outsider, like I think it's, you know, just him saying like, it changes everything about how we see the world or whatever the line is, you know? And, um, I, I don't know that him dying at the end would really make a a, a a sort of powerful point because then he wouldn't be seeing anything anymore, you know. Um, but I don't know. But but then again, I think well, okay, hey, they brought in this other kid and who's been murdered, and like maybe maybe he could look to that and be like, well, that's what it is. Like we we were just going after the wrong person or whatever. I don't, right. I, don't I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. I maybe maybe they'll have a, it'll have a very ambiguous ending.
0: There's also, like, the fogginess of it all. Like, um, you know, Claude talks about, you know, the fogginess of being inhabited by this creature. So, like, you know, will they be able to solidly remember um, everything when they're all done? Um, or will they be able to you know, peg it all on, you know, Jack going rogue or a bear attack or whatever they want to call it. Um, all right. I have a couple, uh, really important questions before we call it a day here. One is, would you rather eat highway heaven chicken or big daddy's angry barbecue? Oh
2: my God. I mean, this is, you know, and I, whatever, however you answer Joanna, just know that I respect the sincerity of your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I,
0: I however do not. There is a wrong answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Um You know, I kinda I gotta say, I'm sure the roadside fried chicken is great. Um, but like something the place didn't look like it was like in that great shape, so I'm gonna have to go with, you know, a classic in in, in The Hangry Barbecue.
0: Uh, we're divided again. I gotta Oof. go with Highway Heaven Chicken. Um how can you say no to something with heaven in the title? That's um, true. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, let us know what you guys think about, um, this fried chicken. And, you know, if you guys are, are fried chicken experts, I am not, cause I have never lived in the South. Um, but if you are, let us know. Um, and then also I just, I want to talk to you about, what they did with Andy in this episode, because, um, you know, we've been worried about Andy for, you know, five straight episodes now or something like that. So, um, you know, we didn't need to get there with him, but let's talk about a few things. First of all, cemetery date, uh, where Andy is like, I choose to believe they died of loving each other too much. Then we stand a man who does the dishes, right? Uh, when sealed, does this thing where he looks at Holland and he's like, you know, basically, uh, to the only female in the room, shouldn't you be doing dishes? And then Andy goes ahead and does them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this like adorable scene where they're in the car and he's like trying to calm her down by getting her to focus on like identifying movie quotes, Mm -hmm. um, which she can about movies that she's never seen. And he like, obviously just like loves that about her. Uh, Man, they just really did a lot of good work with Andy in this episode. That's all I have to say. So I yeah. didn't need to love him more, but I do. So. Yeah.
2: And it's such a gentle kind of credible thing. You know, he's, he's not like yeah. superhumanly kind or whatever. It's just like, it's kind of nice little subtle things. Um, and I don't know. I just, I have to believe that like, I mean, Richard Price and Dennis Lehane, like they're humanists. Like they, they, you know, there's, there's generally so, not, not hope necessarily, but there's some sense of like grace, uh, in their stories. So, I'm just hoping that they, you know, they can kill, honestly, they could kill whoever else they want, just not Holly and
0: Andy. So, RIP Eunice, uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had the, um, Derek Cecil, who's playing A- Andy, is just like, I think there's something. There's a number of things that they did to really, really, really just like, you know, hit us over the head with how much we should like and care about Andy. But like, it's something as simple as Holly is, you know, they talk about like what a a lid for every pot or whatever, right? And Holly is someone who moves the world with some difficulty given the way that she interacts with people. And so there's something that does our hearts as audiences good to see someone who appreciates her so much for fully who she is. And just the way he, like, he, he just has to, like, smile at her with a great deal of respect and affection, uh, when she does what she does, um, to, to make us love him. Um, because we care about Holly and we're rooting for her. And, uh, so, yeah. So how dare they make me so scared for Andy? And, um, I don't, I don't know. How I'm gonna live with all this anxiety until next week, Richard.
2: (laughs) I know, I know.
0: (laughs) Maybe I should, uh, drown my sorrows in some Highway Heaven chicken or something like that. I don't know. Uh, There you
2: go. That sounds, that
0: sounds like a healthy response. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally healthy. All right. Um, so yeah, is there anything, anything left to talk about in this episode or anything like, you know, we presume we're going for a classic king hero versus monster you know, Pennywise in the sewers, um, standoff. But, um, you know, and there's gonna have to be some sort of emotional catharsis for our characters, in theory, Ralph, uh, to an- allow him to have victory over this monster. Dealing with him, maybe processing his kid's death in a way that he has yet been able to, something like that. Yeah. Uh, we've got, we've got the second wave cavalry of the Bolton brothers and Howie, like, as an, you know, as someone who could, as people who could like, oh, I don't know, get a wounded Andy to safety, maybe, uh, something like that. You know, we've got, we've got some, some other folks coming. I have some questions around Jack. I'm still rooting for Jack to, uh, play hero in some way, um, to really fight against the thing that has a a hold of him and help out and play hero. Um, his, uh, his work at the end of this episode though, is not, uh, giving me a lot of hope for that. But um, I have to think that that's something we might see in the finale. Um Do you have any finale wishes or thoughts?
2: Well, just because I keep mentioning it and why not mention it one more time? Um I just hope there, you know how, like, again, it was so surprising when True Detective first season ended on that note of hope where, you know, the light is winning. Yeah. I just hope we kind of get something similar with that because for all that's happening outside of the world of this show, it would be nice to, after spending, you know, let's say nine hours and 48 minutes in the dark uh just to spend a few in the light, um, you know, at the very end of the episode. I don't know what that means. Like we close on just a scene of like Jeannie and Ralph and glory having dinner or Andy and Holly going on a date or like something, you know, just something to remind us that like, while there is the, the world is dark and full of terrors, but also, uh, some nice things to cling to uh, to uh, make our way through all those terrors.
0: Um, excellent. Yes. Um I, I will wish for Andy and Holly to go on a date and go watch the 1942 film, the man who came to dinner, which is an excellent film, by the way, Betty Davis film that was referenced in this uh, episode. Uh, that seems only fitting uh, as, as a date that they could go. On. No more cemetery dates is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's all enough. We've had a, yeah. <laughs> should be movie dates. Um, Alright, so until, until next week, Richard, where can folks find you?
2: Oh, well, my brother wants to show me this really cool cave, so I'm gonna go look at that with him, I think. Um, and if I get reception, I'll tweet from Rylos and, uh, be posting to vanityofhair.com. Where will you be?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going on a date to a cemetery. Um, I'm, (laughs) like, I'm, I'm brushing up on my facts about the, uh, spanish flu because i think that will just really seal the deal for me yeah. um on that date uh nothing more romantic i will also be tweeting from uh at joe wrote this you can hear both of us on the podcast little gold men and we will see you to either mourn andy or uh rejoice praise, in him. His survival. <laughs> <laughs> praise him i'll praise andy um next week on the final episode of still watching the outsider